Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And welcome to episode 116 of Geek Town Radio. Slightly different show this week, partly because it's half term and partly because I've just spent three days down at MCM Comic Con collecting loads and loads of interviews and uh, videos which are all up on the website, photos, everything. So you can go and see those. Well, what I've done is I've taken the audio from some of the uh, video interviews and uh, collected them together for the podcast this week. So we're having a bit of an MCM Comic Con special. We've got interviews coming up with KJ Apper, who's Archie from Riverdale, Mandu Bennett, aka Deathstroke from Arrow, Victor Garber from Legends of Tomorrow, plays one half of Firestorm. We've got Echo Kellum, who plays Mr. Terrific, uh, Curtis Holt on Arrow. And we've also got Eric Christian Olsen, and Daniela Rua from NCIS LA. So it's going to be a podcast full of interviews this week, so no time for anything else. Let's jump into the first one. This is KJ Apper, who, as I said before, plays Archie in the brilliant Greg Belanti series, Riverdale, which you can get now on Netflix. The whole first season is up there. It's well worth watching. We got to chat to him as part of the uh, roundtable interviews at MCN Comic Con. He talks about the show where we left his character where he thinks things will be going in the future so here's the interview with with kj hope you really enjoy this we'll be back with more interviews after this one it's fantastic to have you here with us i guess the first and most obvious question how blown away have you been can you talk about your emotional experience with the huge success the show's already having it's uh it's a good it's a good feeling for sure um a lot of the you know a lot of the cast you know we we've been shooting for like for such a long period of time and uh you kind of feel like you're in this bubble because you're making all this stuff you're going home you're completely wasted and then you're thinking who actually is receiving this content that we're making so uh for it to finally come out like that and for the reaction that we've had uh, i think yeah we're, we all are really stoked with it so obviously uh, your attention's you know so much attention it worked you so hard yeah we've had so many people coming up to you mm. um How's that? How's that been like? Literally, not just being receptive on that show, but like everyone today coming up to your face and just kind of seeing that. How is that? It's uh, it's it's great. It's great to uh, to see uh, the fans face to face. I think um, because a lot of it is on social media and stuff. I try not to kind of engage with it 
too much like look at all the stuff but um yeah it's good to to see to see the fans in the flesh i think and uh it's great they're, they're telling us they're telling me uh what what they love what they don't really like and uh, stuff like that so it's, it's good it's interesting and when fans do meet you i'm sure they have common questions things that come up again and again particularly about some of the character decisions mm-hmm. and stuff what are the most common ones people have been firing at you this weekend uh betty or veronica is what i get asked all the time <laughs> and i can't give an answer to it because it's like if i do that then the internet is going to explode probably <laughs> I'll probably get roasted as well <laughs> and that, do, you, uh, do you grow up with the Archie comics yourself how does it feel sort of playing um, uh, you know like a character that's so iconic to so many mm. young people out there? I, uh, I actually didn't grow up with the comics I I wasn't too familiar with the comics actually uh, uh, when I when I read the pilot it was the first kind of Archie moment that I had um, but uh, my, my old man actually grew up with him um, so that was it's kind of cool he, he grew up in uh, Samoa as well I'm, I'm part Samoan which is it's crazy to, to know that that uh, that kind of actually made it made its way over in the islands which is which is sick as well but now I wasn't too familiar with it before I started how do you feel about the changes in the character sense the focus is less on you and more mm. yeah it's good I think it's good that we're exploring uh, you know a lot of the uh, the characters from the comics and we're still incorporating those iconic um, aspects as well like the iconic uh, love triangle and uh, just diving into these characters on a more like relatable level I think is is what we're doing what are you looking sorry. what are you looking forward to happening next season on the show and like things like little easter eggs that have dropped this season with characters like Sabrina. Yeah, um, I mean, actually, Sabrina isn't isn't set uh, in stone yet. We don't we don't really know what's going to happen with that. Um, but I'm really excited. Uh, Hiram is uh, Veronica's father is going to be included in season two, which is awesome. And we have uh, Mark Kinsuelas playing uh, that character, which is awesome. We all got to meet him the other day as well. He's a, he's a legend. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I'm really excited to to explore a different side of Archie. I think that we haven't really seen yet. Uh, a darker side after his, after Fred gets shot um, it kind of shakes things up for him for sure and I think um, things start to, to get pretty gnarly and we're going to definitely see that Did you always, always know that you were working towards that what happened in that finale? In no we actually had a completely different ending while we were shooting we, we all got sent actually only me and Luke got sent the ending the night before we actually shot that scene and uh, we me and Luke sat down we had a chat uh, about it and uh, we spoke to the writers and kind of just got it done no one else actually knew about it except us at that wow. At that time, yeah. You all know Riverdale is probably not not the last series you're going to be in. Mm. What's like your dream project, or what would you want to do? Because it's obvious there's going to be some good things coming your way. Well, I hope so. I hope so. I appreciate it. But I, uh, I've always wanted to play uh, Spider-Man. Really? <laughs> <laughs> but I think Tom Holland's got that one wrapped up, eh? But uh, Spider-Man was always the one for me. I was like, if I can just be Spider-Man, I've, I want to be Spider-Man in real life more than I like to play. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen anyone cosplaying anyone from Riverdale yet? Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's been a few there's been a few juggies there's been a few i haven't seen actually any archies uh not one archie actually the shade of hair, I think. yeah 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 um and a few biddies this girl made her own costume as well which was kind of sick I mean, originally that was going to be something completely different than the finale. <laughs> you keep getting cut, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You said originally it was going to be something completely different than the finale. What, what would it have been if it hadn't been what we saw on screen the other week? Um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to tell you that, so I'm just not going to say it. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> a little clue. <laughs> uh, something to do with the blossoms. Yeah. 
I think obviously there's a lot of different projects that have love triangles in them. Mm-hmm. What is unique about this one? And can you talk about working with the girls and, and creating yeah. what we're seeing on screen? I think the most unique thing about this love triangle is that it has a, a history behind it. And uh, it's, you know, it's been going for like 75 years. And um, to be able to, to play this character and to be involved in it is, is a, it's a responsibility. And, and uh, I think we all feel me and the girls and, and Cole and stuff are really um, blessed to be able to, to take these characters and put them, put them to life for these, for these fans and to do it honestly and, and to do it in a way that people are going to, to, to appreciate it is uh, I think our goal. Yeah. A weird question, but mm. what is it like sort of working with um, Cole Sprouse who was sort of like a Disney star? I mean, I presume you sort of grew up watching like Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. I did, eh? I actually watched his show when I was a kid. <laughs> all my, all me and my mates watched the show. I used to love it, eh? Um, and I remember he he, uh, he tweeted me before we started in the pilot in Vancouver. He tweets me going like "Good luck" or something, and I was like, "Oh!" <laughs> and then I met him in real life, and then um, yeah, we became mates. So uh, it's good. You just realize, like, because I was kind of new. I'm kind of still kind of uh, new to acting and like meeting. I mean, I'm not saying I was like a fan of Cole, but like meeting him was uh, kind of another experience that I've had where you kind of just meet these people that uh, I hate this word, but like famous, and you just realize that they're just normal, normal people, and it's uh, it kind of opens your eyes a bit. Yeah. Other than Riverdale, is there any other Netflix shows that you really like? I really like. Um, I don't really watch too much. Uh, actually, do I watch a lot of Netflix, but only like two shows: The Office UK and The Office US. <laughs> That's it. Pretty much the only two shows that I watch. Eh? All of Ricky Gervais's stuff. Like he's probably my favorite act- actor. Yeah, I love him so much. Of course, fans have their favorite moments on screen. Mm. Looking back on the filming, though, do you have your favorite moments from set? Are there things that make that smile on your face the biggest? Yeah, um, I don't watch uh, a lot of the stuff. Uh, I haven't watched all of our stuff yet. Um, there's definitely some stuff that I haven't seen just because, like, I'm not kind of like glued to it. But um, yeah, there's definitely certain scenes, like that scene that I did with Luke, for instance, okay. at the end. Um, they kind of only used two seconds of what we actually had, but uh, that that scene was it was a special scene for me. And uh, me and Luke are like really close as well, which is which was cool. Given it's a Belanti show, would you like to maybe go and either do guest spots on some of their some of his DC shows and his other stuff? Um, I don't know. I haven't really put too much thought into it. I think at the moment I'm definitely focusing on Riverdale and um, what that uh, you know has to do for me and. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll see. I'll see where it takes me. Maybe mix the wall into one universe. There's been a couple of conversations about that. I mean, floating around about uh, like a what is it called? Like a the, the Arrowverse or the yeah, something Atlantis. something to mix it. But I, I mean, for my opinion, I reckon we should just focus on Riverdale because we're still kind of a young show. So I think we just should be focusing on uh, Riverdale for the, for the time being. But maybe in the future, maybe I know there's been talk about like a, a musical episode as well or something. Yeah. But that um, makes sense. Yeah, I hope, hope not. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we'll see, we'll see. I mean, obviously you say you're a young show, there's a lot of different directions you could go in. Looking really long-term with the show, mm. are there particular areas, I mean, you don't want to do a musical, but there are other things that you'd really like to explore, other parts of the show so far that you'd like to see more of, given the chance? Um, yeah, I I think there's, because of the uh, the history of the show and, like, the obviously the, the thousands of comics that there are in stories, there's a lot that we have to draw on and there's a lot of ideas 
uh, that can be taken from the comics and, and put to life, like kind of what, what we've been doing. But um, I don't know. I guess uh, I guess I kind of just leave that up to the writers. I think uh, we're kept in the dark as the actors. We, we're kept in the dark a lot. We don't really know what, what's being written until we read it, which is usually like a couple of days before we start shooting. Um, like with the death of Jason Blossom, we they didn't tell us anything. Uh, like that last scene with Luke, we got that the night before. So we're, we're really... Uh, we don't have a clue what's going on most of the time. <laughs> and if you did do that musical show, what songs would you pick if you had to pick them? If I had to pick them, I probably would, it would be all rock, probably. It'd be all rock and Steely Dan. <laughs> yeah. And obviously, I mean, the look of the characters is such a key part of the show. Can you talk a little bit about particularly getting the hair right and some of the other challenges that particularly some of the other characters face? Like, um, yeah. Um, it's gnarly. The hair thing is gnarly. Uh, uh, the first time we did it, I was sitting in that chair for about six, seven hours. Uh, they were trying to get the tone of it right, and I was hungry, and I was just not happy. I was really hangry, whatever they say. Um, but, uh, and then they did the eyebrows, which was kind of gnarly as well, but um, we ended up getting it, and they had a certain formula, and the formula has been passed on to several different hairdressers that I go and see, certain hotel rooms as well, hotel room. I've done it all, mate, and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how girls do it. Honestly, I'm there doing it two weeks. Every two weeks, I'm getting my hair bleached and my eyebrows done. The p other people in the salon are looking at me like, "What's this guy doing? Dying his eyebrows orange." <laughs> I mean, do you worry if it runs for like 20 seasons, you will end up losing some? some I've just, yeah. um, this is the things that I think about when I go to sleep. This is these are the things that I'm worrying about. Honestly, is if I'm, am I going to have eyebrows when I'm 25? Then you can just play a remake of Deadpool by then. <laughs> That'd be sick. Okay, that'd be sick. A Spider-Man. Spider I mean, when you're playing a character like this that is so iconic and has such a distinctive look, mm. do you worry about how that affects your ability to then go after more varied things, either in the short term? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. That was one of the things that I kind of was worrying about when I started the show was uh, to be typecast. Um, but then I, you know, it's not really a. You should, those aren't really the kind of things that you should be worrying about as an actor. I mean, I'm lucky to be working. There's some, there's millions of actors out there who, who aren't working and who are on a constant grind. Um, so I should, you know, I have nothing but to be thankful for, for the work that I'm doing right now. And I'm, I'm blessed to be able to do it. Are there any, any like clues you can give us as to where sort of season two is going to go, especially for Archie? Like, you know, does he go with mom? Is he like? Yeah. So. I mean, like uh, the like the with the the um, Fred being shot is going to definitely change things up a little bit, and Archie is going to. Um, it's like his uh, his Peter Parker Bruce Wayne moment where he he is uh, he wants vengeance and he uh, will desperately go out to find it, and that's that's going to switch something in his mind, and I think we're going to see a darker side. And um, another thing is for season two is Riverdale is going to it's kind of going to separate a little bit between the north side and the and the south side and eventually everyone's going to choose a side um and yeah we're going to have honestly I think I'm, I believe it's going to be a big season and I think there's going to be a lot of stuff that we're going to be diving into which is going to be really exciting I can't wait for you guys to see it I can't wait to start 
Thank you so much, guys. Have a good day. So that was KJ Appa. Next up, we have the legend that is Manu Bennett. He, of course, is playing Deathstroke, who just popped up again in Arrow this week. He also, of course, stars in the Shinara Chronicles as well and was in Spartacus and you know loads of other things. So this is Manu Bennett. Bear in mind, there are a few minor spoilers in this chat for uh, the final episode. So if you're really worried about spoilers, you might, might want to wait until after you've watched the uh, episode of Arrow this week. Here's the interview with Manu. What do you think of your story arc in the Arrow from beginning to recent events? Oh, it's interesting, you know, because, uh, you know, I mean, sometimes sometimes as an actor, you know, you kind of, you have to be thick-skinned and realise that, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that are going on that, that may or may not enable, a, 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 you know, your producers uh, to, to do, you know, certain things. Sometimes they're, they're concentrating on other characters and, uh, you know, uh, sometimes they're just not allowed to uh, to involve your character, you know, which which I found out from Mark Guggenheim, you know, that uh, that basically they had to hold off on, on Deathstroke because of the uh, potential of it being used in the in the in the movie world you know it's going to be on the batman movie and whatnot but uh, since there's been a, an issue with that production then uh, they got the opportunity to to bring deathstroke back so you know it's a uh it's a very popular character, you know. The the fans are out there who have wanted this return for a long time. Uh, you know, I've I've had really great discussions with Mark Guggenheim about the the type of uh, relationship that is going to emerge now. You know, now that that uh, Slade has uh, uh, supposedly um, <laughs> e e evolved. Oh, well, here we go, mate. I'm going to spoil your week. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, basically, you know, Slade is uh, is is straight faced in saying that the Mirakura is worn off, you know, so it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting to sort of see now that Oliver's looking at the Slade that he knew in season one of Arrow, you know, pre the Mirakura, you know, uh, so there's kind of like this... Uh, uh, you know, can you forgive, you know, as, as, as Slade will say, you know, in, in the upcoming episode, you know. Uh, God, why, why, do you, why does England have to be a week behind I America? I know, exactly about it. I've, I've seen that would be piracy. We don't want piracy, so it's like... <laughs> <laughs> I know, I, I know, it's, it's, it's crazy, but, but, you know, I mean, I mean, simply, it's just a scenario of uh, Slade is back, as Slade, you know, not, not as, not as Deathstroke, so, you know, how can, how can Oliver reconcile a relationship with somebody, and they've been through so much, but, you know, like, it's, it's, it's as though you've got to the end of, uh, like, uh, Othello, or, or a great Shakespearean tragedy, and instead of everyone suddenly dying, it's like, oh, wait up, the truth is... And everyone's going like, oh, uh, what? Hey, okay, where to now, you know? And so, you know, it's just interesting because, you know, Slade is back. A Slade, not Deathstroke. But, you know, is he? There's a lot of, of uh, new characters come onto Arrow as well. How, how are you uh, dealing with uh, the, the rest of the new cast? 
I didn't even realize until I went there to shoot this episode <laughs> that I've just been in. And I was like, who are these guys? <laughs> and I just did a stage. <laughs> I just did a panel. <laughs> and he's going, oh, I played Mr. Incredible. <laughs> I'm like, what? What's happened on this show? There's a few more, a few, few more cast members. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, as far as Slade's concerned, you know, uh, and as far as, you know, the character side of things are concerned, he doesn't even know. You know, right. I mean, he's been on Leanne Yu, so whoever's popped up has popped up in his absence. And uh, and so, you know, when, when I do get back onto the scripts or, or you know, we'll see what happens uh, with Arrow. I mean, there's been no there's been no uh, agreements yet or, or any sort of uh, sign-off on me returning to the show yet for season six. But, but you know, I know their intentions uh, are to, to flesh out, you know, uh, more of a storyline with, with Deathstroke and the fans obviously want it as well. So, yeah, it'll be interesting the discussions we'll have in coming weeks to sort of see what the potential is. Do you read any of the comics? Do you actually... I bought every single one of them. Yeah, I, I went to one of these comic cons and there was a guy who had a, one of those guys with a massive comic book collections and I said, can you help me with the Deathstroke comics? And he said, I can get every single one. So I've got them all. Yeah, I've got them all. I mean, I've, I've, I've read I've read a lot of them, you know, flicked through some, looked at pictures, you know, and all that sort of stuff. I mean, you can never anchor yourself too much in in, in, in the original material when, you, when you're working on a television show that's, that's taking its own artistic license to create, you know, otherwise you're going to get hunkered down with your ideas of I mean I've got a solid idea of, of Slade Wilson you know in, in my own interpretation you know that I've applied to the character in my own performance you know uh, but I've met with Marv Wolfman you know and uh, and and you know he, he gave me great uh, you know compliments in regard to presenting a character that he thought when he originally wrote it that I'm playing the right the right emotional beats the right kind of tone to the character but you know in, in but in contrast to that um, the comic book artist who drew the first Deathstroke, um, uh, George Perez. Okay, George Perez. I met George Perez at a convention, and he went, "You're playing Deathstroke. You don't look anything like him." <laughs> so, which was funny, you know. Which was funny because I, I actually haven't seen George since he made that comment. And uh, but but you know, everyone's got their own you know uh, feelings and opinions, you know. And until you actually, as an actor, until you actually get into the skin of a character and, and sort of start to make it your own, you know, uh, you know. I mean, you know, I'm playing Alanon in Chanel and in the books he was like you know seven foot tall you know and I'm not and, and you know people made comments about that prior to us filming and then you know since then I've, I've, I've had people just come up and say look you know that, that was my favourite book series when I was young and, and you know you play Alan on just the way that I read him on the page so you know finding that finding a character's you know most importantly is finding you know the, the sense of the character you know and then and then and then and then creating creating what is you know your your interpretation of it you know uh, but but you know, with with Slade in season six, you know, uh, even though I don't know what the uh, what the current status of of, of where they're going to take the character is, um, there's incredible potential to um, to really put the uh, the audience in the hot seat because because they're going to sit there getting knowing, you know, wait up, wait up, you know, Slade killed Oliver's mother, you know, how can they be talking to each other and be in the same space even? But but the episode that you're about to get in the UK is going to explain how that actually does start to happen just in that one episode. Oh, yeah, it's good. You know, so, so you know. Could you tell us about oh, some Sorry, of I think we'll have to stop it there. Sorry, sorry, sorry come on, that. she didn't ask. Oh, no, come on, yeah, let, no, the, no, let no, the girl have fun. one question. It's just me being me. Yeah. I was going to ask you about some of your favourite or standout moments for Slade during the filming of Arrow. 
I've always said that my favourite scene was when I was sitting at the campfire with Oliver in season one and uh, we were having a discussion about Billy Wintergreen and, and it, was, it was like one of the only scenes ever that Oliver talked about his background. Sorry, that uh, Slade talked about his background. You know, he mentioned his son and he, he said that he's from the Australian Special Forces. It was kind of like this background on him, you know, just then it was, even though it was so brief, you kind of, uh, you got a feeling about some disturbances in his life that weren't associated to Oliver Queen and the, and the Arrow storyline, you know, you know, and, and then, and then, and then you got a strong sense of his code as, as, a, as, a, as a military man or, or as a man, you know, he said that Billy Wintergreen, when they both landed on the island, you know, Billy gave into fires and took the bribe. You know, and that he he ended up on his own. He got tortured, and he got into a whole bunch of things that happened to him. But he would stand his ground to hold his word. And you know, that's backed up later when he says, you know, I keep my promises. I, all, I you know, I, I and he's 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 a man of absolute conviction. You know, if he says this is who I am, this is what I'm doing, he'll do it, and he'll follow through with it. And and but that was before any any idea of deathstroke at that stage. You know, and and but it was the it was the it was the window. In, into into that potential of his character, uh, you know, uh, saying if you, if you screw with me, I'm, I'm, you know, in, you know, on certain moral codes like Billy Wintergreen did, it's it's going to bring the wrath of Deathstroke. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. Hey, thanks, guys. Thank you. So that was Manu Bennett. Next, we move on to Legends of Tomorrow, and this is Victor Garber. Victor has been in uh, loads of films. He's on stage as well. Uh, but, of course, we know him right now for playing Martin Stein, one half of Firestorm on uh, Legends. I love that show. It's absolutely fantastic. He was a really interesting person to talk to. He talks a bit about the character and you know how he got the role and that sort of thing. So uh, here's the interview with Victor. We'll be back with more interviews after this. What's it like being a superhero? It's no different than uh, any other role I've played other than, you know, you get to do things like this. But it's, uh, it's really, it's, you know, I'm an actor and it's a job. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that, that's about it. <laughs> Did you have any familiarity with, with Firestorm character before taking on the role? No. <laughs> I, 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 I'll be very honest with you. I'm, I'm not a nerd and I'm not a comic fan and I, I didn't read comics and I don't really know anything about them. And this, was, this came about as a, in a kind of, um, you know, one of those fortuitous ways of the, Greg Berlanti, who is sort of the... the the guru of, of the, uh, the, all these shows, the Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow and Flash and Supergirl. It, I worked with him years ago on another show, Eli Stone, with uh, Johnny Lee Miller. It's from this part of the world. And, uh, and that was a really wonderful experience. And uh, so when he approached me about doing this role, I, uh, it was for a, a short term on to do a few episodes of The Flash, and uh, uh, and I thought, well, this was a this I've never done anything like this, and uh, and it, it, and I and I loved The Flash, and I had friends on it, and uh, Tom Cavanaugh and Jesse Martin, and uh, and so I thought, well, this will be fun, and so I, I I did it, and then out of that came Legends of Tomorrow, and by the by the time Legends came up, I had already done several episodes of The Flash, I thought, well, at my age, to be offered a superhero role, back to your question, <laughs> uh, what a great 
an uh, odd thing in my life or mm. you know my my final act as they say and um and so that's that's i thought i'm gonna do this and uh very glad i did and i'm having a wonderful time and i i i think the show is really fun and Although I have no idea what's going on, <laughs> so, but I really I'm enjoying it very much. You're back on the Flash this season for a well for a crossover musical episode, yes. Supergirl, which of course that is one of your forte's music, isn't it? Well, thank you. Yes, it, I, I used to be mostly in the music, and now I'm hardly sing at all. So I'm always terrified when I have to sing, and uh, and I. I, I and the idea that I was singing with Jesse Martin and John Barrowman, a trio of, of one of my favorite songs from Guys and Dolls, was so daunting, and I, I went into a complete depression, and then and then hired a vocal coach oh. in Vancouver where I was shooting, and and got myself like just worked so hard, and then I finally was okay, and I thought it actually turned out really well, and I was very I'm proud of it. What was it like, kind of? Then did you find going back when once you were doing it after you'd had the preparation for it? How did you find it being there in the room doing singing it? Yeah, yeah. You know, once I got into the studio and uh, Blake Neely, who writes all the music for these shows and who I'd worked with on Eli Stone, I, I literally um, I, I I called him and he you know and he calmed me down and he. And he was always the person on Eli Stone because I had to sing. I, I, I sang with George Michael on that show. Mm. <laughs> God rest his soul. Um, but, uh, you know, so I, 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 you know, it's sort of the thing where you, you, I've done this, so I should be able to do this again. And uh, I just needed someone to kind of boost my confidence. And that's what Blake Neely did. And, and it was great. It was great. I'm not going to sing today. <laughs> <laughs> not that you asked. If you could pick up. Sorry? I was going to say, do you ever feel slightly terrified? Because obviously there, there's always a change on the ship in Legends. They come and go, that snot's gone. With Rory went for a bit. Do you, always, do you think, when will I go? When will Faisal go? Do you think you're safe because it's Jersey? Uh, no, no one is safe on on uh, on these these shows, and uh, I don't really think about that. I mean, you know, uh, the, you know, there'll be a time when I'm it's, it's time to go, and I'll I'll be going. So, no, um, uh, you know, it's 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 sort of I'm, I'm my goal is to just to enjoy the the, the day I'm in, and uh, uh, and I am. So I don't really think about that. Do other people sometimes come back to the act of like drugs where it's like being that kid again sort of thing to you? you know, to me, you always continue with those father, no, no matter what you do with that. So, Bless your heart. <laughs> That's what Jennifer Garner says. Yeah. Um, so you know, when you're on your set and you say that to you, is it still like playing that game when you were that young child? Or do you feel like you're sort of passing down to these younger people on set as well? You know, uh, I always feel I'm slightly intimidated by some of these young actors because they're so they're so much smarter than I am and so good, really. I mean, they're really so brilliant. I mean, Fran's drama, who plays my other half, is from, you know, East London, or I think, or South London. So I know there's a difference, and I'm sorry. <laughs> but I can't, I'm not sure where exactly. But he is so, uh, he's such an instinctively brilliant young actor. And he can do anything. He's like hilariously funny and can break your heart. And I learned so much from acting with him. And you know, all all the everybody has their own. It's it, the nice thing about Legends is that it's such a disparate group, and that's like the show. I think that's why this show's successful because it's 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 unlike any other shows because they're all these people in the in the same world trying to make something happen. And that's for me what's interesting about the show. Because the superhero part of it is, for me, the least interesting. Because it's really about the dynamics between 
why you know how, how do you actually make this work as a, as a group um, and uh, so I, 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 I love the everybody on the show I think is really gifted and talented and uh, um, they sort of look at me as the old guy you know because I'm because uh, I am um, and uh, and I think there's a certain but once they get to know me, they realize I'm just a, a fool like any like like they are. So it's a it's a, it's a it's a really nice group to work with. A lot of fun again. Yeah, well, there's a lot of laughs. You have to because it, the hours are so hideous. Yeah, you, know, you have to really be able to have a good time. In terms of those laughs, are there any particular stories that always bring a smile to your face when you think about them now? In terms of things you guys have got up to on set or practical jokes? You know, it, it's really never about practical jokes so much, and I, I'm really bad with with sort of remembering s specifics. Except it's mostly about just foolish things that happen in in a dialogue where you where you're trying to make something that really shouldn't work and doesn't work work. You know what I mean? It's like it's like a dialogue, a scene where bless you, a scene where you're just um, uh, you know, like I'm often, I often Arthur Darville, who you, you know, you know from yeah, his yeah. great work in 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 this country. Uh, he he's sort of my. I go to him and I, you know, and I say, Arthur, what's happening right now? <laughs> what is this? What year are we in? And have we? Do we know? Have do we know? Have, have we met this? Have we done this before? Because I have, I get so lost in the time jumps. Mm -hmm. And Arthur is really brilliant. He's like he he's, he's and this and that and that and uh, so and there's a lot of laughter about that because I'll just say a line and, and they all know I don't know what I'm saying. So they, they find that amusing. But it's uh, no, it's just uh, it's just uh, it's it's mostly. Um, you know, and also depending on the director, sometimes some directors make it less fun than other directors. So I'm not going to say any names, but they're, you know, they're, we have our favorites and we all, um, and, we're, and we also feel like we're all in this together because it's, uh, it's a tricky <clears throat> thing to do. None of us live in Vancouver where we're shooting, mm -hmm. um, which is an odd thing. You know, we're all just from another, we all live in, I live in New York and they, most of the other actors live in, um, uh, in, Los Angeles or London is uh, Arthur and, and Franz. So, so nobody is home, which is a, a weird, weird thing to, to, to do for a long period of time. This season we saw a shift in the captain. Uh, speaking of Arthur, Arthur we, yes. uh, he, he kind of left the show to, uh, he's got BC back now. And we saw, uh, how was the, um, the dynamic change with uh, Katie being the captain of the ship? You know, it was uh, it was interesting because um, we all I mean, we missed him. we missed Arthur because he's he you know, he was our rock. And then Katie just stepped up and was so she's she's really amazed me. Her 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 growth as an actor over the times I've over the two, three years that were, or two, two years now that I've worked with her. She I think she's just so talented and uh, and surprising. And um, and I think she just took to it beautifully and uh and frankly i think you know people accepted it i'm assuming because it seemed to work and uh and now we have arthur back and that's been glorious too so um it it all it all worked out because uh, you know when people are asked to do things that they don't normally do it's nice when when they can what were you looking forward to about going back into the next season? And what would you like to see happen with your character or characters as you? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm curious because I think the last episode 
we we looked out the spaceship. It's not the space, the time ship. is what it's called. I think. Um, <laughs> I always get it wrong. And uh, there were dinosaurs out there. So <laughs> I have no idea what's happening. Um, and um, you know. I'm I'm dreading sh night shoots with 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 funny creatures. I'm, I'm dreading, <laughs> but you know what it what what. But I I really don't know what they're going to do. And and um, for me, it's really always the same. It's always about you know how does this character the 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 his, the struggles he encounters. You know, I'm always curious about his relationship with his wife and what. Because I, I sometimes think they forget that I'm married. <laughs> and I and I sometimes say in the middle of a scene. Where's Clarissa? Yeah, mm -hmm. where, where is she? And they joke, and, and then, but they did actually, they, they kind of wrapped that up a little bit better, uh, I think, at the end of the season. But um, so, so I'm curious about his, you know, what, what he does now. Like, where, where does he fit in with this group? Because it's, um, it, you know, they, they have trouble because they, they, they can't really send me out on, you know, battle things because I'm, I, you know, I'm too frail. Um, and so uh, I, I'm, I, I, I love the, the daughter relationship. That was really because that's interesting to me, you know, and her, her and she's so good, uh, that, that, that girl. She's just so talented. And uh, so I'm hoping there's more of that. I guess it, it was touched on rather briefly there about Alias, but can you tell us a bit about your experiences in filming that? Because it was such an iconic show of its time. Uh, well, um, thank you. It was uh, it was um, unparalleled, really, for me as an actor. It, it, you know, it was really my first TV show. I was an, a New York actor in the theater, and J.J. Uh, Abrams somehow saw me as this character, Jack Bristow, and I still don't know how, but he did, and uh, I, I was uh, so grateful that he did. And uh, it was... Um, you know, we're 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 all still in touch. Um, uh, Jennifer and I remain extremely close, <clears throat> and um, her children are. You know, I'm, I'm godfather to her middle daughter, Seraphina. So so and and JJ uh, uh, just uh, was one of the producers of a show in in uh, on Broadway, and so we we're we're still in touch. And Ron Rifkin and uh, there, it's uh, Michael Bartan is is shooting a show in Vancouver and living in my building so there I live in, in Vancouver so it's it's just still it's it, we still are very tight it was one of those shows that kind of kept you guessing until the very end did you kind of know where it was going when you when you started off with it or no did it surprise no. you yes it all it, it, yes I I, I, I I thought that the show kind of um, the first two seasons were, were extraordinary then it kind of dipped and I didn't know quite where it was going and then I think the last season really just it all just came together in a beautiful way and, uh, yeah, I'm very very proud of it and when I when I look at pictures of it or I people talk about it I always feel nostalgic and very proud and then that was such an extensive portfolio of work over years from musical theatre to film to television what role do you get the most satisfaction out of looking back you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting because when I talk about any role I've done, there's, there are elements of that in every role I've done because, you know, you, I give, I, I give a hundred percent. And so the, it's, 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 it's all, it all, it results in this where I am now. So every role I've done has had a, an effect obviously some more than others but um 
I mean, Alias because it was the longest stretch, but Titanic, I'm recognized more for that than most of the things I've done. And, and I just had dinner with David Warner last night, who I haven't seen in 15 years, and um, who I love and who is, I think, one of the great, um, you know, I think he's sort of, I'm sure you know who he is, but he's, I think he's one of the great actors in this country. And um, I, I just feel um, every, everything I've done has uh, has been important and and valuable to and uh, and so it's it's really hard to to pick one thing, uh, but obviously Alias changed my life literally because I went from theater to you know television and, and Titanic uh, was one of those things that just you know it's become one of the most iconic films of all time and I just. How I got in that, I'll never. It's a miracle. Really. <laughs> How was it working okay, with? Sorry, um, I'm sorry. We don't have any more time for any more questions. Gee, I'm enjoying <laughs> this. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. So that was Victor Garber. Next up, we move back over to Arrow and we have Echo Kellum. Echo, of course, plays Mr. Terrific, otherwise known as Curtis Holt on Arrow. He's a great character. It was a really fun interview. We got a lovely chat in there about um, John Barrowman's surprise butt attacks, which, <laughs> which uh, he ex- goes on to explain a bit more what those are. And there are a couple, again, of little minor spoilers for the Arrow finale in this, so you might want to wait until after you've seen that it, i don't think it's anything major but if you want to go in completely clean just jump past this interview if you uh, or wait until it, you have after you've seen the arrow finale so here's the interview with echo we'll be back afterwards with more interviews without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, welcome, sir. Thanks for having me. How's, how is it being at London Comic Con? I love it. It's the first time in London. Um, it's an absolutely gorgeous city. Uh, the people are very lovely and nice. Um, I've been through Europe the last 10 days, so it's nice to be in a part of Europe where everyone speaks English. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> we just had the uh, finale in America. I'm allowed to work because I was there. So I broke in this morning. <laughs> and it was definitely a bit of a precarious situation. I'm sorry, say one more time. You, you all left on that island as far as we know. Yeah. So what's it like going into the next season then? Because it's a bit of a unknown. Yeah, yeah. I mean... <laughs> I know who's left, right? Who's dead? Who's alive? Um, you know, they really keep us in the dark. Um, we don't get our scripts to probably about three or four days before we start shooting. Um, as far as I know, I'm still working next season. <laughs> but I would not, anything happen, you know, they call you up like, hey, by the way, you're dying in episode one. Just want to let you know. But um, no, I think, you know, um, a lot of us will, will survive and, you know, come back and try to pick up the pieces and the fallout of that ending. Um, um, no, so I don't want to spoil it for anybody who didn't see it. Um, but yeah, you know, um, I think it's going to be a great season. Um, the way we ended it is really going to lead off to some real cool things for season six. And I think you'll see us 
really dealing with that ending like in a really in-depth way. You had one of the fun favorites come back from an earlier season before you joined Echo. Um, of course, Slade Wilson played yeah. by Manny Bennett. Um, what was it like uh, working with him on set? And, and, and how did you enjoy that character being part of the show again? Yeah, I... Um, for me, my favorite episode of Arrow is the penultimate episode of season two when he guts more with the boiler alert, if you haven't seen that. Um, and so just to see him come back and to, to get to be a part of that in any capacity was like really like nerd heaven for me. I love that character. I love Manu, um, him and... Slade and you know the Green Arrow's history is just so awesome and vivid and brutal you know and so for him to come back in this capacity for me when I first read it it was just like goosebumps and chills and it's just like so dope that they were able to pull it off um, and I think the fans really responded well to it and I just you know the end of this season was just like I, I couldn't believe I was a part of something so cool like that and of course you had your own kind of behind the scenes on Arrow storyline your, your husband Paul haven't you I've been watching how that's coming out and you were expecting a different outcome than perhaps you know everyone else might have been yeah. what do you think that will go forward now yeah you know I think for Curtis moving forward with the Paul situation, he's going to kind of have to find himself. Um, he definitely still loves Paul and wants to make it work, but I think he's going to have to get out in the field in a different capacity. You date a little bit, see what else is out there, and then see if he can, if possible, rekindle his relationship. But you'll definitely see him move on in some capacities from that. And Curtis has been a big matchmaker this season. As yeah. Well. Hey. Oh, he's shipping, yeah. What are your feelings on Elicity? Because some fans love it. Some, some fans, fans do not. You know, for me, um, coming onto the show, you know, as Curtis and getting to work with um, uh, Emily Bat, you know, I just love Curtis's and Felicity's relationship. And so it makes per perfect sense to me that Curtis would definitely be like pro that and like really forward. And I think Felicity is really great. You know, um, it just depends on, you know, exactly how it's executed. And I think I really love how they executed that relationship this season, how they still, you know, focus a lot on action, what's going on, but that he does, there still is that heart there. You know what I'm saying? I think that's important. So I really like where they're going with it. And I love that Curtis is like so amped to like hook them up and make it work, whether it's the Chinese food or whatever, you know, it, that's, it's just so fun to play a character like that with so much like optimism and just, you know, good vibes. You've provided a lot of comic relief to Curtis in that role. And, you know, is a lot bad lip or do they sort of talk to you or do you sort of provide any feedback? I mean, our writers are really great. I think they really get it. You know, they get the comedy and they get the dramatic stuff and they let us play, you know. Um, but I really credit them really for our, their amazing writing. But they do let us at live and have fun with it. And I come from a big improv background. So basically, in, in anytime I can find it and they're very like, go for it, Echo, which is really cool. Um, I definitely like to play around, you know, and go places, especially with Rick. Rick and I love just riffing on different things. So definitely add a lot of uh, improv in there. But it really doesn't need to be in there because the writers are like they're so legit really well. yeah they do and I think How they get my voice to uh, become a season regular on the show uh, after just um, like guesting for a couple of episodes uh, in previous seasons yeah I I mean, um, a dream come true. You know, uh, I feel so fortunate to be even 
gifted the ability or chance to recur on the show and for them to think I was doing such a good job and the fans to feel that way too and for them to ask me to stick around permanently I mean it's the stuff you know you wish you could have in your life and uh, you know I still pinch myself because I really do love the show and it's a actually a show I've been on a couple shows and none of my friends watch those shows or like them <laughs> but they love Arrow and the whole DC universe and everything like that so it, it, it's definitely a dream come true to get to be able to be a um focal point of the show you know to actually be planted into the show and to be one of the characters that they focus on every episode what was it like for you going into that as you know there was an already established core group yeah i mean i honestly i thought they would all be jerks when i first went in it's like they're gonna be all mean and like oh we, we've been here for three years get out of here but they were all so down to earth and humble and funny and silly and that's just it's still what we carry throughout the show i I honestly think it was one of the funnest shows I've ever been on as far as just working with people. Like we just laugh so much before every take and play pranks and jokes. And it's such a fun environment to work on the set, the crew, they, they really let us have fun, you know? So it, it was nerve wracking coming in. Like I did not know what to expect, but all that was just pushed aside and just a lot of openness and love that. In terms of pranks, uh, we've heard from other people on the show that John Barron is the master. Um, have you been Barrowmond and have you had other prank experiences? You could yeah, I mean, everybody on the cast has seen Barrowman's butt. <laughs> you know, like, he loves to do a surprise butt attack. Um, but yeah, he, he's very he's very funny. I cannot say the pranks he does outside of that, and they are all much worse than that. <laughs> X-rated. <laughs> you know, but he, he really, like, um, season four, I worked with him the last two episodes. I didn't work with him all season to the last two episodes and he made such a huge impact on me in those last two episodes because he does like to have fun and he has so much energy but as soon as they call action he's the most professional like gifted man there you know what I'm saying so it's just learning how he takes the love and the fun of the craft but still applies the professional um, aspects to it is like something that I'm like I want to hone in on that and like really get, get that to a point like he does. Now for people who aren't familiar with a Barrowman butt attack can you just walk through the mechanics of how <laughs> like you know like you're you're doing a scene and you're like okay um you're like rehearsing then like you turn around and Malcolm Rowland has his butt out and he's like holding a sword like what are you guys doing you know stuff like that you know that's like a that's an easy surprise butt attack you know what I'm saying but <laughs> there's a lot we all are pretty dirty and raunchy on set you know like I wish I could tell you guys <laughs> some of the jokes we played on each other with the black lightning coming in to see and the black lightning and Mr. Terrific has a history in comics. Yeah. Would you like a like do scenes with that character? No, no, of course. Yeah, I would love to do scenes with Cress. Um, I met him uh, a couple days ago. We had to do like a Mondo shoot, but yeah. <laughs> They like in the comic books, they like had a connection with each other, like being two of, you know, only African American, like, you know, um, superheroes. So, like, that, that is something I would love to see addressed. And I mean, I know they, they kind of mentioned that it might not be a part of the Arrowverse, but, you know, anything's possible. Let's be real. Like, you know, Supergirl was not a part of the Arrowverse, right? You know what I'm saying? So, I think 
all these things are, are moving pieces and fluid. And so I think it could be a possibility. I would love to see it. You know, I would also love to see like, I, I, you know, Mr. Terrific had connections with Black Canary and all these characters. And so the JSA and stuff like that. So I would love to see him mix it up with a lot of different characters and, you know, even legends and, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see more into Mr. Terrific events. You spent a large part in the beginning behind a computer like Misty. And yeah. You've had the T spheres and you've kind of gotten drone a bit. Would you like to see more of that? Absolutely, yeah. I would really love to see Curtis coming to his own as a fighter and really getting out there in the field. I mean, he's definitely starting to contribute more with having created the T-Spheres, but I definitely want to see him get out there and show how badass he is. How involved was the makeup process on your face for the T? It is is involved. It is very... Unrealistic, then, that you could put that on and then run straight out? Well, well, I mean, the actual practical applying of it, like even Stephen Amell's mask, like, it takes like 20 minutes to apply still, you know, like, so practically none of it makes sense. Um, but yeah, in a good way. But yeah, I mean, um, I think that's definitely like something we're dressing next year in a not so subtle way, but like I, I won't be wearing braids next year. Um, and we're just trying to make the mask more efficient and just help the process. You know, like when Grant first started on Flash, it was like this one piece that could not be moved and was glued on. It took like hours and now, you know, it's very simple and stuff like that. So it's kind of just this fluid motion kind of going on. And I feel like as far as the canon goes, you know, um, Mark says something really funny. He's like, uh, Curtis is a metahuman. His only ability is he braids his hair instantly. <laughs> so I like that. that, is, that is, I've always wondered which one, which one of his um, team members actually braids his hair for them. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I was saying there's an African speedster somewhere that people don't know about that's coming to do it. Um, but uh, uh, Curtis and Felicity could have created some machine or something like that, too, that did it really quick, you know. But I don't know if they, hopefully they address it. I hope they do. That'd be cool. It's like, we need backup. Yes, what? Yeah. Give me, there's this hilarious meme where all of us like suit up and everyone's like, yeah, and he's like, Mr. Tr-. And then Curtis is like, let me get my braids in, my contacts. It's two hours later and all of us like, I'm going to kill you, Mr. <laughs> really funny meme. <laughs> Would you like um, more crossovers because the massive invasion crossover? Would you like something more next seasons? Yeah, absolutely. Those crossovers are some of the most fun. I, I know for me personally reading comic books, that was when I was at peak nerdiness. <laughs> like, you know, when the crossovers happened and different characters from different segments would interact with each other and take on a big bad. So for me, that's like comic book heaven. And to see us actually, to be a part of it, to see it, to be alive, you know, when this is happening in the cinematic world is like so dope and so cool. So I love to see it. I want to see it more and more and more. Obviously, it's really tough with everyone's schedules to, you know, just create that time so that we all can do it and still, you know, be on our own shows. But I am down for any process that they want to get that. Ideal scenario, if you could have anyone in that crossover and anything happen, what would you like to see happen in that next crossover, which obviously you're going to get? Yeah, you know, I'd like to see Mr. Terrific lead everyone. Uh, (laughs) You know, no, I mean, you know, for me, God, I mean, Invasion was so good, you know. Uh, yeah, I would, I would love for them to, you know, take on like some big bad like Dark Seed or D- Dark Side or somebody like that. It would be so cool, like to just, you know, really go for it and 
Yeah, I just want to see. I, I I love any of the crossovers. I mean, whether it was a you know invasion or when the legends came on or whatever, it's it's just epic, you know. And so I just want to see them get bigger and bigger and bigger. And if you can solve the conundrum of what's going to happen in that after that cliffhanger episode, because obviously there's been lots of speculation online, has Slade taken them to the bunker, for example? Mm-hmm. How would you solve it if you had to solve it? How would Curtis solve it? How would Curtis solve it, and how would you solve it as well? I think Curtis would have brought like T spheres for everyone to fly out of that joint you know before it blew up uh me personally i would have solved it by not going to islands like no we're not doing that i don't trust no islands uh-uh this is volcano just made this no um but yeah that's pretty much all do. do you think do you think what do you think of that fan theory that that, that slaves take them to the bunker yeah right. yeah i've heard like you know slave might have taken them to the argus bunkers and stuff like that or possibly they fixed the plane enough time to get off um i think they're pretty good th- uh pretty good fan theories i think they're definitely within the realm of plausibility. Um, yeah, so, I, I mean, it could definitely happen. It's up to the writers and, uh, you know, who knows if they're listening. Are you guessing, you said you only get the script so many days before, are you guessing when, like, say, on the penultimate or the one before that script, are you thinking, how are they going to get out of this? Yeah, definitely. We definitely uh, wonder those things. Uh, also, we wondered, like, I hope I'm not dead. Don't tell me I'm not dead. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> you're right, still been through that too. But yeah, it is something, as a fan, you know, I, um, I read the scripts once and I try to forget them so I can, like, watch it and like be invested and live in it um but it definitely at reading them was like you know at the edge of my seat mouth agape like whoa like i couldn't believe what's happening but i was just like so geeked out that slate was coming back that was like the main thing i was just like oh my god slate wilson's back holy sh-. you know now and i'm the worst spoiler like i spoiled prometheus at the beginning of the year that he was josh and nobody saw it and i was like oh thank god uh so i it's tough for me to keep my lips like sealed so i'm like mm, just please air like, let this out like please i just don't want the pressure so yeah do you believe that Monica- well, all I gotta say is if you don't see a body, play ball. You know what I'm saying? That's how I, that's how I look at it. Um, I think there's always room. I mean, I think there's a room for him to come back for sure. You know, um, anything can happen, especially in these universes, you know, so I would not say anything's final. Do you actually know who the vigilante is at all? Are they going to bring in that back? <laughs> vigilante will definitely come back. Uh, I do. Ha- I have no idea who it is in any way, shape, or form. The vigilante is all of us. Is what I tell people. We're all him. <laughs> and obviously, talking about the crossovers, you're excited. Fans are excited about that. But I think there's a sense that I mean, with the combinations we've already seen, there's kind of you know, where do you go from there? How do you make it bigger than what you've already done? Do you have a sense of kind of how they can top what they've already done with that? You know. Um, that's very interesting, right? Uh, every year on Arrow, it's a bigger and bigger kind of thing that's happening. The city, now the world with nukes. And I think one of the cool things you saw about season five is they went the opposite spectrum. It wasn't this big city. It's more of a personal thing. So I think they could definitely switch it up on people. And it doesn't have to be this big, you know, huge thing. It could be a more of a really personal tragedy that they're dealing with that could be interesting, too. You know, you know what I mean? Like, it, it could inverse on it itself and we could probably create something really amazing from within that because I really love how season five really 
took a, a different tilt from that whole, the city's in danger, you know, the world's in danger type of thing. It was really like personal for what's going on with Oliver and the team. And I don't think they can spin that too with the crossovers. So now you've got your summer break, what's next for you? <sighs> Working on an album right now, uh, it's hip hop. Uh, hope to release it. Oh my God, is everyone, okay, let's go. Uh, hope to release it uh, by the end of this year. Um, just, you know, Checking out Europe, you know, taking a break. Yeah. Sorry, that's all we have time for. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. It's great to talk to you all. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So that was Echo Kellum. Final interview we have this week was uh, Eric Christian Olsen and Daniela Rua from NCIS LA. Now, I have to admit, it, this isn't a show I've really seen much of, but. The interview with these two was adorable. They play partners on the show, uh, both in their job and in their personal life. Uh, ironically, in real life, Daniela's actually married to Eric's brother. Uh, but uh, So that must make for some interesting conversations of home, I'm sure. But um, it was a really, really fun interview. They were great together. There's some wonderful chemistry. There is something that happens in this interview in the the table where we were doing the interviews was sat under a, a slightly leaking air conditioning system. So um, they occasionally she gets dripped on by the air conditioning, which is you'll notice a point in the interview where, where that crops up a couple of times. So um, just so that makes a little bit more sense as you go into it. So here's the interview with Eric and Daniela and a slightly leaking air conditioning unit. <laughs> How does it feel to be here at the London MTM Comic Con? You enjoyed meeting fans here, taking part in stuff like this. Oh, awesome. Yeah, we came sure. last year and had so much fun and met so many kind of amazing fans. And, um, you know, I think you lose sight of, uh, like, who the show reaches out to when all you do is shoot it. We shoot for 10 months out of the year. And coming last year, I think, was really special because we got to meet so many fans from all over the world who um, the show really has an impact kind of on, on their lives and them you know, inviting us into their homes for 185 episodes and kind of about the role the show plays in the family dynamic and watching it together. I think that was a really special thing for, for both of us. Yeah. And it's, also, it's interesting, too, because I... Oh, you got it! <laughs> <laughs> for those who couldn't see... No, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. You're such a gentleman. Um, for those of you who uh, didn't see what just happened, we've been complaining about a drip of water in the ceiling, and now one just fell on me. Great um, <laughs> meal, um, <laughs> part of my master uh, plan. <laughs> so the, in Europe, um, the generation, I feel like the generations that watch us are a little bit different than in the U.S. I think we have a little bit of a more mature following in the U.S. versus here, which is a younger following. So it's interesting to see the difference in dynamic and the people that come to Comic-Con. Um, there are lots of people that fly from different countries to come and see us. And I mean, I think the whole organization is, is so impressive. There was 100, over 130,000 people last year in two days. Um, it's just incredible. And to be able to, you know, it's actually really difficult because people pay to be here and they fly in to see you and you want to give everybody enough time to be like, hi, what's your name? What brings you here? And it's difficult when you have a, a whole line of people and they're kind of like, you got to go. Otherwise, you're not going to get through everybody who's you know, paid for a ticket. And um, yeah, I love it. I love meeting the fans face to face. It's, it's the only opportunity we have is things like this. As part of your characters on NCIS, um, how much do you get to input into the characters and the skills that they have? Hold on. <laughs> the skills how much that do you, are you put into the words of your characters. You mean dialogue-wise or character-wise? Uh, character-wise, dialogue-wise. 
well, either. I mean, for for example, you you have an episode where you go undercover dancing, which right. is you know, a personal skill of yours that you yeah. managed to introduce. Um. Did you have input on that? It just fell on my nose. <laughs> <laughs> this is so great. This is like the best interview ever. This whole time, it's just you waiting to say something like interesting and it just watered your Um Did so, you have input? Did you ask for that? No, 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 no. I, I, I didn't ask for that. Actually, sometimes the writer's like, what do you think you would like to do? Actually, our um, showrunner sent us an email saying, like, if there's anything that you guys would like to do in the next season that you haven't done already. Um... I can never think of anything. I'm just always happy when they add little um, fun things to do, such as the dancing. So yes, it was a skill that I already had. So, um, and not not in salsa dancing, no. But um, yeah, it was it was just really fun to do. It was actually supposed to be done earlier in the season, but because I was pregnant, um, I wasn't able to do it. And I thought that they would just have another character do it. So I was really sad that I <laughs> might not be able to have get another to dance. character dance. Yeah, they could have put Nell in uh, because she's oh, yeah. actually also a dancer. She has a dance background as well. I mean, they could have had anybody else in that in, in that role. Anybody but me. You kind of did dance in that episode Not too. Really, it kind of flopped around like a muppet. That's <laughs> <laughs> dancing as much as it's just graceful. Flopping. Eric has one signature go-to move. That move's good though. <laughs> uh, as far as input goes, I think that you know part of it is that after 185 episodes, they have an idea of what our strengths are. Yeah. And so I think you've seen the evolution of the banter between, you know, Kenzie and Deeks. Um, they definitely write to the comedic elements that, that we bring to the show. Um, and they're also very open about finding things in the moment, which is that you do one per scripted as dialogue written, and then you can try stuff. And some of my favorite kind of reactions and moments in the show are, are moments in which they weren't really... Moments in which they weren't... Um, it wasn't on the page. One of my favorite scenes still forever is... After Deeks is tortured and he's going through a period where he's not able to sleep for weeks and she comes over with Chinese food and it's mm. this great scene that they played in a two shot where there's a bunch of like really honest, natural improvisation um, and, uh, and it ended up being one of my, my favorite scenes. Um, because you find moments that, that, that aren't prepared for and her reactions she's so good at reacting to those moments that especially when he's off camera and says things that he knows will get a reaction off of me which are un unsayable at this time <laughs> yeah but here's the cool thing too is because I think that Eric and I have created a certain dynamic over the last seven years um, <clears throat> sometimes they'll leave because what it is for those who don't know it's um, you know, a camera on him, a camera on me, and it's behind us and everything. But when you have certain moments like this one that he's talking about or during the proposal when Kenzie's in the wheelchair, um, sometimes you kind of have to have a camera on both of us simultaneously because the things that you get in the moment are going to be different every single take. One might take you to, a, you know, a more emotional place, a more a quieter place, whatever it is. And so to get the the matching reaction from the other person, you have to ensure that there's a camera on both of you, otherwise you have sort of mismatched takes between us. Um, and so, you know, we always know when there's a camera either on both of us or at the same time on each one of us, we always know that that's a moment that him and I get to play more around with because it's gonna cut nicely in editing whenever they do that. So, um, and about the input too, there's, oh, 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 that time <clears throat> where uh, Kenzie's in recovery in season eight. Mm. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, she can't walk and she's going through times where she's depressed, sad, angry, but it's all very negative feelings. And so between us and the director, 
um, we kind of felt like we needed a relief from that, something a little bit sweeter between them to, to show the sort of roller coaster that it is to recover from something uh, like what she was going through. And so we asked our uh, Scott Gemmel, who's our showrunner and one of our writers, and he wrote my whole arc throughout the recovery. And we said, hey, do you think we can get something a little sweet? And so literally over lunchtime, he wrote a scene and we shot it that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just fits so beautifully. And if for those who've watched it, it's the scene where they wake up um, in the hospital and, and she's like, I don't want to be here anymore. And he's like, I know, but you have to. And it's just a sweet moment before everything crashes again. Um, and that was written on the day and shot literally a few hours after he wrote it. Um, so, yeah, so there is a degree of input on our part with what happens. Um, and I think the trust that the writers and showrunners show in us, we all know the characters so well now. So I think it's important to have a, a dialogue with what happens. That's really a tribute too to, you know, we have a first AD, this guy, Eric Pott, who's so good. Uh, this One of our executive producers, JPK, was directing that episode. Scott Gemmel was our showrunner and also the writer for these whole sequences. You know, having that discussion, saying, here's our fear. We don't have a moment to emotionally connect to the, the, the beauty of this. You know, obviously it's this tumultuous recovery, but we need a moment of, of not brevity, but a, a reason to fight for these two. Um, and then to go off and do that over a lunch, come back and trust to shoot it, um, it's remarkable, especially on a show that's such a well-oiled machine that you know, we're in season eight, for them to go, all right, let's adapt, go try this. Is, I don't know if I've ever been a part of a project that, that was able to kind of on the fly make those kind of changes, which is which is amazing, and a tribute to, to those guys, to Gemmel and JPK and Eric Pott. What's your acting, what is your acting technique? Because you, you said about repetition, and like, I was thinking of my and how you, like your banter, and stuff, how, what, what do you do, what, what's your acting technique, and how do you apply it to your characters? Um, I, I can tell you that I studied something specific, but I can also tell you that regardless of what that specific mm. thing is, what I learned most is I don't need a technique unless I need help for any reason in the moment because if you listen, if you act and react, you're going to be in the moment and be in the reality of it regardless of what the technique is that you've learned or not learned. It um, doesn't matter if you come from a Shakespeare background or not. If I'm listening genuinely to what he's saying to me in the scene and I react appropriately, you have a real moment. Um, so since we're playing real human beings in you know, supposedly real situations, that's all we can do. And I think it also... The repetition is like the takes, yeah. not so much repetition like going back and forth with the word and the, you know... Yeah, we usually read it, read it once before we do it on camera. <laughs> um, uh, I think that also plays into finding moments because if she's just listening and reacting, when I change, she has to adapt. And that's how you get, you know, these different variances of takes. Otherwise, And there's people that do... You know, everybody's got their own kind of method. Mine was from William H. Macy... One of my first movies ever was he was in, and he said, um, acting is just listening and then telling the truth. And the only time I stop myself, and she sees it, you know, when I'm in a take, where I'm like, that, that, was, that was bullshit. Like, I wasn't telling the truth. And I just go back and pick it up until it's the truth. And whatever version of where that character is in his head, you know, even the bad guys tell the truth um, yeah. in their own minds. 
So uh, bad guys don't think they're bad guys. Right. They think they're doing the best for whatever their intentions or objectives are. So they're still telling the truth. Yeah. So no matter what the character is, he's still telling his own version of the truth. Like you do a big broad comedy. Like this is the best example of how this works. Like Dumb and Dumber. I did the prequel to that, which is a terrible, you know, broad comedy. <laughs> but in the mind of Lloyd, who's the Jim character, Jim Carrey character, he's still telling the truth. Like that's just his viewpoint on the world. And what makes it so funny is he's so committed to being wrong about the world but that's the way he sees it right and that that commitment is why you can emotionally connect and go all right i'm going to make this ridiculous journey on with this character because this is how he views the world and it's funny to me because he's so wrong but also so committed it's kind of like well, i can say that are you going to plug another one of you no i was going to just or? talk about politics but that was a mistake oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're so wrong with the view of the world but you're so committed to it it becomes a parody hint, hint. of <laughs> so, logic um wondering so how big is the um, universe that enters um and inhabit because you're seeing um Kenzie head over to white tribal um, we've seen Hetty visit um, Scorpion, yeah. and then we've seen um, that's MacGyver on Hawaii Five or so. How big is it? And it's as big as CBS. Planning, <laughs> <laughs> and are you planning uh, any major uh, crossover space in terms of between the other shows? You forgot Michael came to our show as well. Yeah, Michael Weatherly Weatherly. came to our show. Yeah, I was just well, I was just about to say that in the past when you had forced it, it's generally just one uh, or two cast members of one year. Yeah. You can get it to say what the hour of this does and has one of episodes where all like an entire team goes over somewhere else. I we're think it's very sorry. No, we're still exploring the possibility of that. I think yeah. there's a good chance in the next couple of seasons to do an NCIS LA, yeah. NCIS, you know, that kind of the episode that we all kind of want to do is joining the, it. Yeah, but the major thing, I think, is probably scheduling-wise, because it's so tough to schedule. I mean, there's seven regulars on our show, and there's probably seven or eight on their show as well. So to, to coordinate, you know, 16 actors on two different shows, one's on Sunday, one's on Tuesday in the U.S., um, I think it's more so than anything else, it's a logistical thing, because then you also have two showrunners and you know two line producers and everybody's trying to coordinate all these things um so yeah but i agree with eric i think i think it's just a matter of time until we do something really cool like that i'm gonna go do big bang i'm gonna bring deeks to the big bang theory (laughs) maybe deeks goes to mom just a couple episodes of mom is that a show over here (laughs) they have mom over here yeah Yeah. that's funny how would you like to see that character that up I've never gotten that question before. Good question. <laughs> you know, I think both of these characters, I can talk about Deeks. Um, I think for Deeks, uh, his journey has been one inwards he's searching for, I think, the, the, the love that he never got from his dad. Um, and I think he has an interesting relationship with his mom. I think that Hetty has played almost a mother figure to Deeks in helping him kind of figure out who he is. I think the most kind of self-actualization or definition of character has come with the relationship with Kenzie. And so I think that, you know, the obstacle that they've given to these two characters and how that has evolved that relationship, I can't see any other ending for Deeks to find happiness but somewhere within that. Yeah, um, in uh, just to sort of uh, give you a shorter answer, but very similar to Eric, I think Kenzie is looking for someone to call home. 
Um, she has, she, she ran away from home when she was really young. She was really close to her dad. You guys watched the show and then obviously he was murdered. Um, and, uh, and she ran away from home because she never had much of a relationship with her mom. Um, I don't think her mom was a bad person or anything. I think they, they just didn't connect on any level. Um, and so it's this, oh, and plus for Kenzie, every man in her life has been killed. It was her dad, it was uh, Dom, her first partner, who was kidnapped and killed, and um, now Granger. And so there's this fear of proximity with another human being, but at the same time, it's this desperation to try and to want to call someone home, no matter where she is. And uh, and I think that considering all the obstacles that these two have been through together, both them going through it and the other one being a support system and vice versa, um, you know, they've, they've, she's found home with Deeks, there's no doubt. And I think it would be really, really unfair if they didn't end up together happily married with children or something. Um, just another drop. Um, <laughs> in the end, it wouldn't be fair if they didn't end up together, I think. But life isn't fair, so who knows? Mm-hmm. Next. Yeah. I feel like we talk so much, right? Yeah, huh? I'm a dumber up, but so glad you brought that up. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Open those floodgates. There was a great cast of comedic actors. There were so many performers in that movie, and honestly, it is the better of the Jim Carrey sequels without Jim Carrey. Uh, it's certainly better than some of the Mars and better than Ace Ventura Jr. How was it working on that movie with so much comedic talent? By the way, can I just say something from an objective perspective? Can you even tell? that Eric wasn't Jim Carrey at some point. I forgot that it wasn't Jim Carrey. I really did. <laughs> Jesus, I owe you $13. <laughs> <laughs> also, by, the, by the way, I was a little freaked out, so I'm married to his brother, and so um, I, we were visiting his parents, and I went down to the basement, and there was this life-size poster of him as Lloyd. Like this, and <laughs> just walk on the street. It's like, oh, jeez. My mom stole, like my mom stole it from a theater. <laughs> just, I, she actually didn't steal it. She asked if she could have it, and then they did. gave it to her. But the idea of my mom, this wonderful Midwest non denominational chaplain, like running out of a theater stealing a cardboard cutout of me makes me laugh. Listen, I think that it's so. This is why we're all here, is it's so hard to make good entertainment. I mean, all it takes is one person to screw up and the whole thing falls apart. Um, and I think that is an example. That movie is impossible to live up to because Dumb and Dumber is one of the greatest buddy comedies in the history of, of cinema. Like that movie holds up. You watch it and you go, my God, Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels are pitch perfect. You love them. You root for them. I think it's a definition, as we talked about before, of a character whose perspective on the world is so strong that you're like, this is absurd. And then there's a moment when he's humanized, when Jim Carrey says, I'm sick of being a nobody, and I'm sick of having nobody. Oh, and then, and then in, in that moment, you're like, these ridiculous cartoon characters, I sympathize. These are universal themes, and we're with you. And for the rest of the movie, you, you go down this rabbit hole of nonsense. Um, so I think we, as, when they said they're making this movie, I was like, this is the worst idea I've ever heard. And then I booked the movie and I was like, yes. And then I go, oh my God, this is still the worst idea I've ever made. Um, and I felt like, you know, throughout that whole movie, all I wanted to do was make him happy. It's just, just do justice to what he did because I grew up such a fan of his. Um, and then I remember watching, you know, some late night show where 
they asked him about it. He's like, I, you know, all I see is the pigs. And I can, I'm so remembering this moment. All I can see is the pigs at the trough of the, of my hard work or something. And I felt like, oh my God, I'm so heartbroken. But then his manager came up to me at a party, like a couple months after the movie came out and said something like, uh, that Jim had seen the movie. And at some point in time, he stopped forgetting that it wasn't him. And that for me was like, you know, I slept for the first time in a month. Um, because it was all I wanted to do is, is, is make that guy happy because he was, you know, and still is, you know, a legend, genius. a genius. Yeah. I think the scene in the, uh, in the house bathroom with Bob Saget screaming. Over the walls, yeah. Yeah. I think that scene has gone inside my be long than the actual dumb scene. <laughs> well, I won't touch that one. That's a very nice compliment. That is a very funny scene. That is a very funny scene. Yeah, I mean, the parts of it are really funny. Derek Richardson, who played Harry, is still one of my best friends. And Bob Saget, and we had, Sh- you know, Sherry O'Terry. We had, uh, who played the principal? Huh. Eugene Levy. Eugene Levy. Like, we had so much fun making that movie, but we all knew we were doomed. I mean, just, like, you put a target on my back and then just go, go for it, kid. Run. <laughs> like, ah! Just looking back, waiting for the shot to come. Um, yeah, no, I've made a lot of those guilty pleasure movies. <laughs> There's a lot of, before I did the TV show. You owe a lot of people a lot of money. I owe a lot of people a lot of money. <laughs> like Beer Fest and Fired Up and none of their team. Fired movie. Up is really fun. Fired, Fired Up is actually, really Fired Up is actually really funny. That's a, that's a funny movie. And that was really fun to make. One of the greatest uh, things about you is you have the capacity of having chemistry with almost everybody that you act beside. Uh, not, not a lot of people a really have nice that. really nice compliment. That's I'll true, though. He, he's, he's, um, Adapt man here. If you were superhero, you'd be adapt man. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means. What's adapt like adapt? You adapt to any situation. Adapt to man. every person. So, adapt man. So, so it's a noun and a verb. And an adjective. Sure. <laughs> She's not sure. I was like, wait. Um, how do you think that NCIS has changed your lives? Well, I mean, hers is really I'm, simple. There's pretty much everything in life has changed. Well, for what I turned 25 in season one, and now I'm 33. I met my husband. I had my child. I got married. I had a second child. I bought my first house. Sold that. Bought a second house. Um, and uh, my entire life happened on the show. Yeah. Seriously? <laughs> Free shower with every interview. It's just a little Legionnaire's fungus disease. or something in there. It's totally yeah. Legionnaire's disease. It's okay, guys. I'm just getting syphilis over here. Um, <laughs> why is there syphilis in the air <laughs> I didn't put it there. Not the cast of Riverdale is hanging out upstairs. <laughs> I have never seen the show. I just thought it'd be really funny. I, don't, I have no idea who's on the show. It's just the first name that came to mind. I would have made an OC joke, but those kids got fired. So. <laughs> I did it again. Oh, this is why I shouldn't do it every um, uh, Wait, hold on. I have an answer. What was the question? <laughs> stalling. Stalling. Oh, yes, the show. Mm. How has it changed? I, I have a really you interesting perspective on this. Right, but, I, but, be, but before that, so I essentially did eight years of, of, of TV and film before the show. And listen, if, you, if you're working, which is the greatest pleasure of all time, you're gone six months out of the year. So I would be shooting in, you know, all over the world. And then you come home and you audition and then you book a movie and you go back to someplace else. It's, it's a really difficult way to have a family. So when I said, uh, when I met Sarah, my wife, and I was like, this is the person I want to be with. I want to raise a family. And but I don't want to do it. we met on a show together. Which we met on a TV yeah. show together. Um, 
I want to raise a family. I was like, how do I stay in LA and do that? And they were like, there's a show called NCIS LA. And I go, never heard of it. And they're like, it's the number two show on the planet. I was like, what's number one? They said NCIS LA or NCIS. I was like, never heard of it. Uh, and I was like, is it comedy? Is it drama? What is it? And they were like, well, actually they're, they're casting a role for one of the, the, the new leads. His name is Victor Cruz, and he's a uh, East like LA Latino character, East first. LA Latino street cop. I was like, I'm perfect for it. Send me in there. Who, by so the I, way, was supposed to speak fluent Spanish? Yeah, I don't speak fluent anything. I can barely speak English. <laughs> um, so I was just like, but this shoots in LA, and I remember the audition scene was like me talking about a motorcycle with Kenzie. And everybody else they had auditioned for this part had a chemistry with her, but they finally no, just no, gave no, up on it. No, no, chemistry read with me. Yeah, what did I say? You just said chemistry. Chemistry read with her. So they would bring in and they'd be like, hello, you're so pretty. And then you would say your lines. And they're like, this <laughs> is... nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> you're so pretty. Apparently they're Russian. They're Russian. <laughs> East Spanish in the East I'm derailing this, this story. Um, this is my life with him on the set. <laughs> so, so I came in and did my audition and the, the showrunner, Shane, looked at me and he's like... I feel like there's more you want to try. And I was like, well, we can do two things. We can, you know, do the words on the page or I can kind of figure out the character. And he goes, give it a shot, do whatever you want to do. And so I made up a monologue, like a full speech in the audition, improv about her and prior boyfriends and just kind of pinning what this relationship looks like and who she is based on, you know, the stuff that I had read. And he just looked at me after we're done. He's like, okay, okay. And they sent that to the studio and the studio was like, no, but he's supposed to be Latino. He was supposed to be a Latino street cop from East L.A. Um, but they brought me on board for a couple episodes to see if it worked. Uh, and then I went off and shot the thing instead of finishing the show. Uh, but they brought me back for the second season. And, and that has been life changing because I get to be in L.A. I get to do drama <clears throat> and comedy. Drama undercover, you know, characters that are ridiculous. So you gained a sister. And I gained a sister-in-law, which is really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been awesome. It's been a, it's been a wonderful experience. And um, and all my friends that are off shooting films, I don't have any pangs of jealousy for them flying to, you know, Estonia. What's wrong with Estonia? I love Estonia. <laughs> I'm not a fan. I get kicked out of Estonia. At gunpoint. That's another story for another time. <laughs> what did you just say? You know, I've never heard that story. I don't know that I have. I got kicked out of Estonia with Tayo, my friend oh, I from Nigeria, yes, I put into a windowless van at gunpoint. It's a beautiful country. <laughs> <laughs> Not a big fire to fire it up over there in Estonia. <laughs> what? We're done. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> I'll tell you again. Enjoy the Riverdale kids. Thank you very much. <laughs> So that was our last interview with NCIS LA's Eric and uh, Daniela. As I mentioned earlier on, there are a couple of points where Daniela gets dripped on in that interview. What you don't actually hear is the bit when Eric came in the room first, originally sat where Daniela was sat, got dripped on and moved because he thought it would be funnier for Daniela to be the one that was getting the water, not him. Uh, so when she turns to him and goes, oh, you're so gallant when he offers to move, he'd actually moved already. Uh, so but I love the fact that they seem to be so close uh, on and off screen, which is kind of helpful since it's his sister-in-law. So, but they 
were absolutely brilliant. So that's the last interview for the podcast. But if you want to go and see more interviews, um, you can find them up on the website right now uh, or go to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash geek town. We've got interviews on there with uh, Nell Tiger Free, who played uh, Marcella Baratheon in Game of Thrones. We've got uh, interviews with Luke Mitchell from Blind Spot and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Rebecca Breeds from the originals. We've got the video interviews with um, Eric and Daniela We've and videos of uh, KJ Apa. And we've also got Casper Crump, who played Vandal Savage in Legends of Tomorrow. We've got the video interview with Echo Kellum, uh, Victor Garber, Manu Bennett. There's an interview with Warwick Davis. Uh, Sean Muller from Firefly is on there. There's a, a group of guys who work in front and behind the camera on Star Wars. That was a really interesting interview. There's also the guys from Class are on there. Uh, they were a really fun interview. And um, Guy Henry, who's the guy that played uh, Tarkin in Rogue One, which they digitally masked the face of Peter Cushing over him as well. Uh, he was really interesting uh, talking about that process so those interviews are all up on our youtube channel if you want to go and watch those that's uh, youtube.com forward slash geek town so that's everything for the show this week we'll be back to a normal show next week if you want to find out more stuff about mcm um, and uh, comic con see all the cosplay photos and all that stuff you can find all that at geektown.co.uk as well as all the latest tv news and air date information if you want to get in touch you can email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk you can leave a message on this website post you can find us at geektown on twitter or facebook at facebook.com slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com slash geektown or on instagram which also has a load of cosplay photos that's uh, instagram which is geektown uk that's everything we'll be back to normal service next week we'll see you then A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.